friends, and welcome to There's No People Like Show People, the podcast that connects and reconnects the theater community, inspires hope, and strives to help people not feel so alone. I am your host, Sarah Philibon. We have just a special, a very special delight today <laughs> on, on the podcast. Someone who I have known mm. for a very long time now, I would say almost a decade. That seems so, yeah. Yeah, I think so. And just one of the most endearing, delightful, charming human beings you will ever meet. Are you drunk? <laughs> <laughs> um, I am sober right now. So I, am I. I'm being good. I'm, be, I'm being very honest. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Neither one of us, Thank for, you. for clarification, neither one of us are drunk for this podcast <laughs> interview. <laughs> but uh, just a person who really warms your heart. Uh, both on and off stage, and his name is Don Hart. Oh, you mean I'm not Jim Dandy? <laughs> <laughs> you, well, well, okay, let, let, me, let me ask you <laughs> again. How are you today? I am Jim Dandy! <laughs> <laughs> he is yelling to the heavens. <laughs> okay, now I have, uh, to, I have to ask you, what does that mean when you say that you are Jim Dandy? That's just, a, I guess, an old-fashioned term of... Almost like nothing could be better. Sunshine and, and breezes and, uh, you know, kittens and rainbows or whatever, that kind of thing. You're just all is well with the world. Sparkles and unicorns. All is well. And content. All is very well with the world. You're very content. And, yes. Uh, uh, content with yourself. Content with things. Even though they, not, they may not be what you would like them to be, but you're content. Right. And, you know, that's it's, something most people, or a lot of people, have a difficult time learning or oh, doing or being sure. so well i think it's also just um whatever life hands you just making the best of it mm-hmm. you know that's all and especially in you know the, the times that we're living in yes. now yes that's that's what you have to do yeah that's what you have to do well let i know our listeners want to know everything about you oh god and so please take us on your life journey where are you from where did you grow up uh, how did you get into theater? What's the first show you did? Just just take us on a Don Hart journey. Ha! Okay. Well, I was uh, born and raised in uh, rural Whitley County, Indiana, in Washington Township, which is, we went to a grade school, eight grades. I think of all eight grades total, there was like less than 200 kids. There was 28 wow. people in my class. Mm-hmm. Um, this is in northeastern Indiana. It's south of Columbia City, about six miles. And if, if you know where Fort Wayne is, it's about 25 miles, I'd say, west of there. But uh, grew up on a farm, a uh, quarter-mile long lane, so we had a lot of privacy. And um, I guess that's where uh, my first teacher, I guess, if you will, was just Mother Nature. Mm-hmm. And I may, you know... I have a hunch some of those are going to come out somewhere later on in this interview. Some of the things I've learned uh, just by observing things on the farm, just life on everyday things. And I'd like to think that imparts some wisdom. So, uh, but anyway, that's where I grew up. Um, my first theater, I would have to say, officially started when I was 14 when a, a pastor, Lynn Padal, um, he came to our church straight from seminary. We were his first call. I'm from a Lutheran church. 
and uh, he graduated like in May and started being employed with us by in July, I think something like mm-hmm. that. So that following year, uh, in uh, which I think is the spring of '68, 1968, mm-hmm. he uh, has a, uh, a minor in theater. So he used cold, if you'll see U L L E D, from the church's high school age youth group to cast some shows he put on. And the very first show I can remember being in was a little one act play. It, first performance he did was three one acts. Um, I think mine was the third one he did, the third of the three, uh, the final show of that bunch. It was called Forgive Us Our Chicken Coops. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, still rem- I actually can still remember one of the lines. I was, was the superintendent of this, and it was a farce, a parody, I should say, of, of what a, really what a bad church is. <laughs> and, 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 but one of the things was, it was a poem. There's four lines. I forget the first two lines. It's da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da, air. Something rhymes with air. And the last two lines was, uh, Boaz married Ruth. Frankincense is rare. And... <laughs> 53 years ago, whatever it is, I still remember that plain as day. But that was my first uh, exposure to that, to theater. Mm -hmm. And uh, I really, really enjoyed it for no other reason than I found that uh, I could make people laugh. Mm -hmm. Or people laughed at what I did. Mm -hmm. And it gave me a sense of security. Um, One of the things people should know in podcasts, I don't see very well. And when I was young, uh, I was, in fact, I was legally blind, totally legally blind, which is yeah. about 10% or less of what normal vision is. Mm-hmm. So what uh, you can see at 200 feet very clearly, I have to be within 20 feet to see it just as clearly. Um, so I was, anyway, very withdrawn and insecure. And when people laughed at some of the things I said or did, it was a sense of, I don't want to say it's a sense of power, but it was a sense of achievement or worth is what it really was. Mm-hmm. It, I was worth something where the bad vision seemed like everybody around. I, I grew up in a 2020 world. Um, there wasn't much um, extra curricular, I don't want to say student help or just that kind of thing that many years ago like there is now. Um, uh, programs or whatever to maybe help boost that yeah. kind of stuff. So, uh, yeah, so when people began to respond to what I was doing, I, I had an effect. That gave me worth. Mm-hmm. And that's what got me into theater more than anything else, was that this is one thing I am good at, that I can be a uh, productive person in society and, and people will appreciate. And that's what I want to do. I want to help make their lives a little better. And I found out I could do that. So, <laughs> Well, I bet, um, you know, it made you feel noticed, like, like people, that people actually noticed you, and, and do you think? or mm, Not so much as, as appreciated, yeah. as, as worth. It really sticks around worth. Because uh-huh. I thought I was kind of worthless. I mean, looking back, yeah. it is my self-worth was pretty low. Uh, and that gave me a sense of being, a sense of right. yeah, a sense of value and worth, more than being noticed mm-hmm. uh, for me. And here's another thing I've, I've always been, and I'm kind of the opposite, I think, of many people who end up in acting, is that I have always been um, self-serving for the audience. It's not about me. Right. 
when I'm on stage. In fact, I think if it is about you as an actor, or no matter what job you're in, but I think especially as an actor, if it's about you, what you can do, or your resume, or whatever, then you're looking at it backward. Because mm -hmm. if the audience isn't there, it's just a glorified rehearsal. Yeah. I mean, think about it. So it's all about making that connection because someone wrote a story. The playwright, maybe you know him, maybe you didn't, but there's a point or there's a story. He once conveyed. And you as the actor are that conduit, if you will, between the playwright and, of course, the director has a, his own vision. Now he wants it done as well. Are the conduit to ex express that message to the audience. Yeah. That's our main purpose, is to right. tell that story. And if it's all about us, how we tell the story, then it's, you're missing the mark. Mm -hmm. It's got to be about telling that story as clearly and as purely and as cleanly as you possibly can. So that's the part where you got to talk to your ego, if you will, and just kind of step back a little bit. Mm -hmm. And don't let yourself get too big in the way. Now, you do have to be aware, as an actor, of as yourself besides your role because certain things happen on stage that sometimes don't happen and you got to figure out what to do. Uh, but don't let yourself get in the way right. of telling that story because that is the utmost important thing. That's what makes theater theater. That's what makes an actor an actor. Yeah. So now I'm wondering, so you, were you born with your blindness? Was that no. something that um, you were born with? No, I, I was, uh, and I didn't realize it though. It happened when I was such a young age, mm -hmm. uh, about Five or six, I think, is probably when it started. And the only reason I know that is uh, when I, long story short, when I was turned 22 is when I was fitted with contacts and could see. So anywhere from age six to 22, I was legally blind. Wow. So all the school years. That's a long time. Yeah. Well, that's why I had so, and like I say, there wasn't any special education, wasn't any special school, wasn't any special books. Right. So you just went to public school. Yeah. And everyone there could see better than me. And the thing is, I didn't realize that they could see better than me. Mm -hmm. I thought I could you know, see the same. So when I couldn't do the, some of the same things they did, you know, you should, why can they do it and I can't? Right. Why can they catch a baseball and I catch one in the face, you know, <laughs> which happened, you know. I, that's, that's not the way it's supposed to happen. Right. You know, what's, you know, and you said, what's wrong with me? That kind of a thing. Uh, but anyway, um, so I forgot the question. <laughs> <laughs> I, so, okay, so you weren't born. No, no, no that's it, right. It happened later yes, on. Yes, yes. Uh, so when yeah. I was fitted with contacts, and we're driving to, it was early morning, about 9 in the morning, the first call. Again, Fort Wayne is to the east of us. And so like 8 o'clock, and the sun is in wintertime, so it was pretty much on the horizon coming in. My contacts were driving me crazy. I didn't know how they were supposed to feel. And I couldn't even keep my eyes open. So my eyes are closed. And we're driving, and of course I couldn't, haven't seen for years, so I'm thinking, I got pretty good at guessing where we were on the road. So we got to be close to Highway 9 by this time, which is three and a half miles away. So when I'm going to open my eyes to see if I can find out where we are for sure. So I opened my eyes and looked, and there had to be a string of, um, or not strings necessarily, but of high tension wires, uh, uh, the REMC has, that's very common out in the countryside. Uh, you know, taking electricity to the country areas. And as soon as I saw them, I remember seeing them before. Wow. And I hadn't ever remembered seeing them. And that's what told me, ha-ha, sometime when I was three or four, beyond my memory, you could see. I could see that. Yeah. yeah. And my, 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 that, 
picture memory right. was captured in my brain. Wow. And when I opened my eyes at that exact spot, it immediately brought that back. So that's what made me realize, oh my gosh, I, I could see right. uh, at one time that wow. well. So, so I, um, yeah, that was a huge uh, thing for me to, to realize. To realize, yeah. I bet. Uh, um, so, but that's what, um, uh, anyway, the, uh, with the contacts now, I do see uh, about 2070, which is one third vision, mm -hmm. which means now what you can see at 200 feet, um, I need to be within 70 feet mm -hmm. to see it. So about one third of normal vision, quote unquote, normal vision. So yeah. it improved it some. I still don't see well enough to drive a car or or uh, well, to get a license, <laughs> let's put it that way, <laughs> to <laughs> right. legally drive a car. Right. And uh, I don't drive one, by the way, folks. I just, that's, <laughs> that's, that's unsafe. That's not smart for me. I don't mean to do that, put anybody else's lives in jeopardy. But, um, yeah, I uh, yeah, can't get a license for that. Yeah. Um, but it doesn't keep me out of theater. That's right. See? And, like, that's this story already is so inspiring to me. I mean, I, I've already known, like, bits and pieces of mm -hmm. your story, but sort of hearing you uh, tell it, that, I mean, that's incredible to me because I know that so many people, um, you know, if they are disabled or they have a disability, mm -hmm. it, it really uh, it holds them back. Yeah. And, and it holds them back for, from pursuing their dreams. Yeah. And, it, and it didn't hold you back. No. No, it... I was tempted to. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, this is, brings me, this is a very sharp memory, uh, how I conquered that. Mm -hmm. Very, I don't want to call it fear, but it's a very reality. Mm -hmm. If I can't handle, if you will overcome this obstacle, I may not be, I'll never make it in theater the way I, you know, I, a person really should. Mm -hmm. So what happened was, it was one of the uh, plays at the church, and I had an entrance, and the church was built. I'm trying to use my hands on a radio. That's going to look really cool. But uh, <laughs> there was about a 45-degree angle of uh, the walkway I had to get from the one door to the little ramp that went up on stage. If you can imagine a rectangular stage, on the front two corners of the stage are two 45 degree angles, one on each corner, I should say, one on each corner going out to the respective doors. And one of my entrances was, was, anyways, from one of them. And I had to do this in the dark. Well, can't see anyway. <laughs> it's dark. How am I going to do this? Yeah. Because I realized if I can't do this, I may not be able to make it in theater. Right. I knew I had to do it. So, I, okay, how am I going to overcome it? So what I did, I got to the rehearsal space ahead of time from everyone during the daylight hours, and I stood at the spot. There's one thing nice. You could start at the same spot. There was a door. You could put your top of your front of your feet right against the door, mm -hmm. and so you could start at the exact same spot. So I would walk. I did my normal walk, eyes open, lights on. And I think it was two steps forward because you had to miss the people that were sitting kind of on the edge. You couldn't go straight 45-degree angle. You had to take two steps forward and then turn 45-degree angle in the dark <laughs> and then walk to hit that, that ramp. So I did it I don't know how many times. I, I swear to God it was at least 10 minutes worth, which could have been 15, 20 times. 
And of course, the secret, it's not a secret. The knack is to not be afraid, take the same pace of step, and take the same length of step. So just basically be natural. Don't try to fake mm-hmm. yourself out because you try to be as natural as you can and consistent as you possibly can. And I got to where, to the end, I think I did like three or four times in a row after about 10 minutes worth, after the 20th time. So, okay, I think I got this. Yeah. So I went back, closed my eyes, turned all the lights out. We put black, there was black this uh, queen from the window so no light could come in. And I set out in the dark, and I did my two steps forward, and I turned what in my mind was a 45-degree angle, and I took, I think it was six steps, boom, 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 boom. Opened my eyes, and I swear to God, Crystal, or Crystal, I'm sorry, Sarah, <laughs> if there was a quarter inch between the front of my shoe and the bottom of that ramp, that was the shortest quarter inch there ever was. It was perfect. Wow. I hit it absolutely nailed dead on the head exactly where I wanted to be. That's incredible. And I knew... I can do this. Yeah. I can do this. If I can overcome, conquer that, I can do this. And that's probably, maybe even say unequivocally, the biggest lesson that I've learned in acting. Right. Was doing that and, and overcoming it, knowing you, you know, tackling it head on yeah. and overcoming it. Yeah. And here I am today. <laughs> And here you are today, still, <laughs> still doing shows. Yes, you know, still. 53 years later. Wow, that's amazing. So, yeah, you, so you is. were born in the 1950s? Yes, yeah? 1953. Wow, 1953. Yeah. See, I knew that you were going to have some pearls of wisdom <laughs> to, <laughs> to tell to our listeners here. Um, I mean, I would assume that that's probably the, the biggest thing that you've struggled with when it comes to your theater career? Um, yes, I would say so. The other thing is, and this may sound really odd, <laughs> and if a person isn't like physically challenged in some way, they may not quite understand this as clearly, so I'm going to have to be really clear how I say this, is um, the... What am I trying to say? Uh, the outlook that other people have on you. Mm-hmm. Because if they're not unaware, or if they are unaware, excuse me, if they're unaware of what you are, they'll assume something else. The biggest thing I came up, people thought I was stupid. Yeah. And it's not that I was stupid. I couldn't see. Right. But when they didn't know who I was, you know, and I would stumble over something, or, or if I get a book within three inches of my nose to read it, they, oh, he's dumb. Right. And... Uh, those snap judgments, those incorrect snap judgments from other people were actually harder to overcome than the physical handicap of not being able to see. Wow. Because yeah. I, once I did that step, I can overcome that. I can overcome my, I don't say fear or whatever that is of walking, but different people come and it's, it was constant. It's not the same person. And I don't mean to be mean at all. It's just that's I have found that's what the first thing goes to is, is they'll make a snap judgment without coming and talking to me or finding out. Right. And uh, that is actually harder to overcome than the physical aspect. Of course. Well, it's other people's uh, judgments and, and perception of, yeah. of you. Yeah. Here's a perfect example I'll use. I can't drive a car. I can't be licensed to do that. Now, 100 years ago, out with a horse, 
I'm as good as anybody else. Yeah. I'm as absolutely as good as anybody else. Don't need any special driving things. But now that it's in this society where we have the cars, it's the modern society that more than the... That's what handicaps me, if you want to look at it that way, right. more so than the physical uh, um, eyesight does. Because like I say, if it was 100 years ago, I'd be as good as anybody else getting around from place to place. Because yeah. cars weren't invented yet. <laughs> you didn't need a driver's I didn't need one. You yeah. didn't need a license. I can ride a horse probably better than some other people. But, you know, so, <laughs> but it's just, just one of those things that there are other things in life that actually what I would call handicap a person more than their own physical, um, right. whatever they're is. Well, Don, I, I know what I'm getting you for Christmas this year. <laughs> <laughs> I'm getting you a horse. <laughs> and, and you could just, I could just see you now riding at, atop your horse to your next theater contract. Uh, to, yeah, talk, take six steps and then turn right and <laughs> yeah. then, uh, quarter angle, 45 degrees. Yeah, they'd be like, who is yeah. this guy riding in on his horse? I don't know. He, he probably not the horse's butt. That's what I- <laughs> <laughs> I know. Well, okay. So we met. I think this was in 2012, maybe. 2000. I don't remember. I, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to think what year it was. You know what show it was? That might help. Oh, I'm trying to God. think too. I don't think you were there my first year, which was 2011. What, we're, talking about, we're talking about the Round Barn Theater. The Round Barn yes. Theater. Yeah, yeah, that's where we met in Napanee, Indiana. Um, I think it was either 2000. 12 or 2013 was it i was in 2012 in miracle on 34th street which I is was, a christmas show i was not there for that so, so it would have been 2013 th- then okay that yeah, would have been 2013 um and that was the year of uh obviously plain and fancy, fancy yeah. every year because they're, they're the national or they were the national home of plain and fancy uh it was nonsense on men yep. it was nine to five uh-huh that might have been. Nope. The fir- that, I think that was the first show that we did together. It was nine to five, right? I'm trying to think. I thought I ninety five it- was sixteen, wasn't it? I'm trying to think. No, that was twenty thirteen. Okay, I'll, I'll trust your memory. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, I know this because that's when I got engaged the first time. Oh, okay. <laughs> it was in twenty thirteen. Okay. So yeah, and, and we um, yeah we did. Was were you there for Wizard of Oz? I was and- not. Oh, you were not. No, you left. Okay. Yeah. So it's hard to remember. But then you came back, and, and yeah. like I was always leaving, and you were coming back, and then I, you know, coming and going, and it's a lot of comings and goings. Yeah. Um, but most recently, we've worked together at the Myers Dinner Theater. Yes. And we did Little Women yes. uh, together and Little Mermaid. Yes. And uh, you were fantastic in both of those shows. <laughs> and you were very wise not to cast me as a dancer. <laughs> I kept saying, Sarah Philobom is a genius, everybody. There's a reason she didn't cast me as... I was the only person that was not in that dance number. There's a good reason for it. And Sarah knows it, but the reason is... I have have seen you dance before. And that's why you didn't cast me either. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. Well, no, but you're also a musician. Yeah. Yeah, I know you play guitar. Do you play other instruments? (sighs) Not... Proficiently, uh, it's mostly guitar. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I two finger peed on the piano a little bit. I I mm-hmm. do some uh, percussion, mm-hmm. but yeah, the guitar or bass guitar is what I'm most f- proficient at. Yeah. Um, when did you learn to play the guitar? I officially, I guess when I was nine years old. I guess when I started, um, I wanted to take it in school. And the fifth grade is when you join band. Mm-hmm. Well, there's a reason to call it band and not orchestra because they don't have string instruments <laughs> in the band. So I couldn't play guitar, so I played drums. Oh, okay. So that's why I started uh, drums for that for seven years. 
Um, um, and that's anyway. Uh, so I got to learn, and I would still, I still think a drum set would be one of the greater, greatest therapeutic jobs there is because you get instant gratification, all these noises that uh, you're hitting. And, and uh, I like to build things. I'm a craftsman, I will admit that. So I like to work with other people and you know, crescendo here or there if you're going to do your drums or whatever, whatnot. And I've mm-hmm. done it a few times, but I'm, uh, it's nothing I've done. Uh, I guess professionally or or consistently at all. Just if the church needed a drummer for three weeks or something, I'd do that. Some stuff like that. Right. Yeah. Um, what? So again, so coming back to sort of like these these say, I feel like you're a wise sage. You know, <laughs> these, these wise oh, sage wow. pearls of, of wisdom. We were talking about this a little bit before we started recording, but. Uh, kids or younger people mm. who want to get involved in the arts yeah. or who are considering about, you know, making this a career, what advice would you, because cause I, I know you've seen a lot of things, you've <laughs> done a lot of things, you know, seen it all, done it all, you know, whatever, like you just, um, you've done a lot of shows mm-hmm. and you've worked with a lot of people. And so what advice would you, would you give? I'm going to give them a two-sided coin. Okay. Like a heads and a tails. It's going to be a do and a don't. The do is concentrate on being the best person you can be. And the reason for that is most producers and directors, most people that hire people, which is what you are as an actor, you are hired, uh, and hire a good employee, a person that's going to be a good employee who can be a good job as an actor. Because you're with the employee Let's put it that 90% of your time, you're being yourself. There's only 10% of your time's on stage. Yeah. Especially in, once you get in performance mode. So if you have, say, two people that are equally qualified, one's a pleasure to be with, one maybe isn't, who are you going to go for? You're going to go with the person that's more pleasant to be with. Mm-hmm. So in that respect, it's like every other job. So focus on being the best person you can be. The don't side of that, of course, is don't focus so much on all the actor you can uh that you are yes and uh, be proud of your talents but see it with a bit of reality don't get in your head so big that your actor becomes more important than your person because mm-hmm. the person is way more important they jeremy little john you know hires people not necessarily actors he, he hires yeah. actors that are really good at acting and make but if they weren't good people he wouldn't hire them nope no matter how talented as an actor they are. Right. So people, I tell you what, kids, focus on being a good person, being a good employee. That will get you acting jobs more, in my mind, than any talent you can focus on. Um, do both, of course, but really focus on being a good person because that will get you rehired. Yeah. Your, your talent might get you hired once. But if you blow that by not by being a not so good person to be around, you might work once, but that's going to be it. Right at that theater. I, I could I agree with you one million percent <laughs> on, on this, um, because you're right. People want to work with, and you kind of talked about this a little bit uh, earlier in the podcast and our the one we're recording right now. You you said that. Um, Oh God! And I just like lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> it's gone. It's a, it's out. It's out the window. Well, I said uh, Jim Dandy once. Was that it? No. 
Yes, you once talked about Jim Dandy <laughs> in the podcast. No, but but like being a good person, and there's so many things. Oh, I remember. Um, it's 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 not about you. It, it's it's yeah. not it's not. There's just been so many people who I work with who are who can be very selfish performers. Yeah. And it's not about that. Correct. It's about the collaboration. Yeah. It's about everybody. It's yeah. it's a, it's about uh, it's about the audience. Yeah. It's about telling. Yes. It's about telling the story. Yes. Effectively, it's being an actor. Listen to this too, young people. <laughs> Your job as an actor, or to be the most, in a sense, flexible. And what I mean by flexible is you got to we take direction from people. You got to be able to be. If a director wants you to take you a different direction than what you might think it, that role should call for. So you have to be as uh, available. Um, mealable is a good word. Mealable means like you're kneading dough. Mm -hmm. you, can, you can create, you can, uh, like, uh, what am I trying to say? Mold it in a certain way. Mm -hmm. Actors have to be able to mold to whatever the vision of the director is. Yeah. And if you're stiff, or unmoving, or unwilling to mold, right. you ain't going to last long in this business. No. You are not going to last long in this no. business. So you have to be one of the most mealable, adjustable people, mm -hmm. things that, uh, business that there is. Yeah, flexible. Yes, that's yeah. what I mean by flexible. Yes. Yeah, well, and also like be willing to try new things. Yep. Be willing to step outside of your comfort oh, zone. Oh, good Lord, yes. Um, the, yeah, I mean, these are just all, and that's sort of like what the rehearsal process is, is all about is, you know, the director and the is usually just like throwing a million things at you, like, mm -hmm. oh, let's let's try this or try that or try this or do this or things are always changing and, and you just have to be kind of like, okay, cool. Yeah, you know? that's the thing. That's what I mean. Yeah, it's not about you. What you what your vision is. It's you got to follow first. You got to follow the playwright, right? And what they want. Next, you have to follow the director. Uh huh. And and this may be more the director's job than the actor, but even sometimes the where you are in the audience, what, or what part of the country you're in, mm -hmm. there's things you can do. Maybe one part of the country that is very acceptable, and it's not acceptable in another part of the country, yeah, uh, or another theater. So the, there's all this awareness going on. It's right. not about you. No, you are that servant. You are the an actor and a director, but are, are the biggest servants in my mind. That there isn't any job. Because the actor has to, yes, serve the playwright, to be truthful to what the playwright wrote about. It's got to be true to the director, or you'll never get hired again. <laughs> and the choreographer, if I, <laughs> <laughs> if I can add. But you, you have to respect that and be able to, again, be flexible to mold that. And also with your audience. Mm -hmm. What's going to be acceptable here and what isn't. Right. And, and so you're the most flexible or the most uh, accommodating maybe that's the word role uh job you can try to be is in the role is, is as an actor you accommodate all those people all those things mm -hmm. and it's like space so meeting that is a number one goal and telling the story being true to that and like i say so you are you in the back seat right while your character then is and if you do it right and your character can fly <laughs> when you fly, that's when the magic happens. Yeah, the, the, when you, the when you get yeah, magic. When you get out of the way, man, mm. and you get a cast that does that, where everyone's got their amigos checked at the door, door or whatever, oh, that's when it's fun. Oh, it's so great. <laughs> well, yeah, because it, it really feels like you're all in, you're all in it together. together. And yes. You, yeah, and you you're got creating each, something. Right, and you got each other's back. Yeah. So I I love that you talked about 
focusing on being a good person. Yeah. And I think, you know, we can even <clears throat> sort of break that down into like, well, what does that mean exactly? You know what I mean? Like, what is being, and I'm putting this like in air quotes, like yes. air quotations, like what, is, what does it mean to be a good person? And in terms of, and, and really the things that just come to me off the top of my head, these are things that you can do at any job. Any job. Any job. Any, it doesn't matter. Any job, any job absolutely. that you're working, but being on time. Yep. Being prepared. Mm-hmm. Being positive. Yep. My, uh, being flexible. Yep. My favorite, well, this would touch on that, being servant-oriented. Yes. Because you got to put yourself, you, I'm telling you, kids, as an actor, you're serving everybody else but yourself. Right. If you're doing it right, right. you're serving everybody else but yourself. So if you find yourself up front, you got to do some rearranging because you, again, you won't be in this business long. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So, and, <laughs> oh, and also, oh my God, th- this is the biggest one for me mm-hmm. is being a reliable person, yes. being someone that people can trust. And want to be around. And that they can count on. Yes. yes. Because I, I think one of my biggest, the thing that upsets me the most is when people are flaky, yeah. is when people say that they're gonna be there or say that they're gonna do your show or say that they're gonna help out with whatever and then they don't do it. There are flaky people in the acting business? <laughs> no, say it ain't so, Sarah. Well, well, there are flaky, I feel like, I mean like. <laughs> everywhere. Everywhere. Yeah. It's everywhere. not just acting folks. And, and I just, I mean, that was one of the biggest things like the biggest like pillars that I was raised with Um, I was never allowed I was always held accountable I mean Mm -hmm. always by my my parents Um, and especially like the dance studio that I went to there was so much discipline there was so much structure Mm. and my whole childhood was like that and that has really like carried into my adulthood because I would never like I would be so embarrassed and I would feel so ashamed if number one I let someone down yeah. Or number two, I, I what if I didn't if I wasn't accountable with my word? You know yeah. what I mean? Like yes. like and and if I like upset somebody or let like I would feel like I would feel terrible. Yeah. You know? And like I have always really strived yeah. to be like if I say I'm going to do something, I will be there yeah. doing it. Yes. <laughs> with bells and whistles on. Accountable. Being accountable. Being accountable. Dependable. Yeah. Dependable. Reliable. Trustworthy. Yes. So anyway, that's our little... Pleasant, even, I'll add on top of that. Yes, pleasant. (laughs) (laughs) With a smile. There you go. Yeah, there you go. Well, I know, you know, this pandemic has really just thrown everybody, you know, through kind of like the train has gone off the tracks a little bit. Where were you when, (laughs) when, when the pandemic started and how... Has your pandemic journey been so far? Well, as most things, it's been pretty much the opposite for me in, in, in that respect. I was right here on the Myers Dinner Theater stage mm-hmm. performing in a show called Run for Your Wife. That's right, yeah. We had done uh, two weeks out of the three-week run um, and got the word Sunday night that we may be closing. They'll make the decision on that following Monday, which is March 16th, which happened to be my birthday, Mm -hmm. Um, and which they did, and the governor uh, closed it down. Uh, So we lost that final week uh, of performance. Um, uh, And oddly enough, uh, uh, went back home. I didn't have anything scheduled until 
Little Mermaid, which is the very tail end of June, started a rehearsal. I think June 28th mm-hmm. was the final. So anyway, I went home. I was uh, overweight at that time. I was over 200 pounds. Actually, before I even went to uh, um, Run For Your Wife, I started uh, to work on a bike path outside with a handsaw, an axe, and just getting out and, and losing, trying to lose some weight. Mm-hmm. And um, once the pandemic hit, well, no safer place to be than out in the open, it seemed like. So right. I continued that. So for I had about four months, and I ended up losing 50 pounds or more. Yeah. You, you look great. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you. I feel like but, I, I need to go on the Don Hart diet. Well, you know? <laughs> it, was, it was extremely uh, exhilarating. We had yeah. a perfect spring for it. A long spring, long cool spring, mm-hmm. and uh, which ended up being you know, perfect for that anyway. Um, but right when I was uh, scheduled to come back as the Little Mermaid or in the Little Mermaid, the uh, here in Indiana, the governor gave the okay for a certain level of 150 people. Mm-hmm. Well, Myers Dinner Theater seats 145. <laughs> Perfect. So he was right underneath that. So I didn't miss a lick in the pandemic. So as far as the work, just yes, I have been working. Today is what, the 26th of December? Anyway, mm-hmm. um, basically working for six months. Wow. Ever since June 28th. That's amazing. Yeah. That's incredible. I'm one of the very few people that have been working steadily yeah. at a job I love, and the acting, I think we're one of two theaters that are even open in Indiana. I know. Yeah, uh, I know. Here I am working six months of it. That's amazing. So it's just, and on top of that, Sarah, it's a crazy thing. First of all, the first three shows, well, you were in two of them, mm-hmm. up that were, uh, I've been stretched more of these three shows, with the three of me, meaning The Little Mermaid, Little Women, and then The Ark, mm-hmm. than I think I've ever had in my entire 53-year career. That's and in fact, the arc, without a doubt, is um, maybe the reason I'm on this planet. I think to really? do was to be in that show. Yeah, yeah. I really do. I've never had a role like that before. I've always uh, been we, uh, usually a oh, I'm a character actor. Yeah. And sometimes they might throw you a bone. Just like, this a half a song I did in Grimsby. They give me those four lines to sing. Right. Jeremy even had me talk it instead of sing it. You know, <laughs> that's what they normally got. Yeah, throw this guy a bone. <laughs> but I had the main role in that. Yeah, you're the lead. So, yeah. You were Noah. Ten yeah. songs in that thing. Wow, off and on. I know. I I wish I could have seen it so badly. It looked. I mean, um, it looked great. It well, it was. It was definitely my. What do you want to call it? Not swan song, but it's. Uh, I think I was born to do that role. Yeah. In a way, and like I say, it's um, my first really major role. And I could be, uh, I was, and I love being the first person on stage. And I had the chance to do that. Mm-hmm. So I could set the tone. And I love doing that. Absolutely love doing that. Well, but you, also backstage too, because you yeah. can set the tone backstage just by being the, the how you carry yourself. Well, you were the Push star. Well, I was the leading <laughs> role anyway. I don't know. I think Martin Flowers, got to give him a note. He really carried that show. Really? You know, yeah. If you watch it, he, I think I got to give him a, a big, uh, 
I did a check mark thing here, folks. A little gold star for Martin Flowers out there for doing such a great role as him. Gold star. You know what? At some point, I haven't asked him yet, but we I got to interview Martin Flowers for this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> he has appeared. Um, he was like walking to the bathroom one time uh, when I when we were recording another podcast of mm. episode, and we we're like, "Hey, Martin!" So, giving you a little shout out. Well, uh, first of all, that's incredible that you've worked for the majority of this pandemic. Yeah, um, yes. Most people can't say that. Exactly. So that is a testament to um, your strength, I think, your strength, your, your character and your strength as a performer and as a person. So that's amazing. What do you what are some things that you would like to see change as we eventually come out of this pandemic within the theater world? Main thing I would see is everybody get on the same page and encourage each other. Good Lord. <laughs> There's so much. I don't want to use the word backbiting, but there just seems to be a, so much of a destructive. Um, I don't want to use the word negative. That's so overused, but it's actually destructive mindset we're in this together folks one of the biggest lessons like say i learn things by being around me and 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 this is not from the farm but it's from the old show called the red green show anybody's watched pbs maybe is known about that but his had a saying is um remember i'm pulling for you we're all in this together <laughs> and that's what life is all about yeah we're all in this together right and there are 15 million things ready to attack you and defeat you anyway in life. Yeah. You don't need to add it from your friends, from people who are in the same business you are in, right. that would die, would not die, but you know what I'm saying, would give a whole lot to be where you are in working. Yeah. Let's have each other's back. Right. Uh, and, and get away of this, what I would call pettiness, mm -hmm. and, and really, truly support each other. Right. Good and bad times. The other thing I think I would like to see, and I don't know if it'll ever happen, is now I grew up, didn't take an acting class, and never went to school for it. Didn't have high school, didn't have acting in high school when I went. So it was all from that actor, from that Lynn Padal, who came as a pastor for those four years when I was 14 to 17. That's where I got my Your training. My training, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, shoot, where was I going with this? Well, I hate it when this happens. I know, I know. Well, you know, we talk about so many different things. Well, and you, I feel like you also got your training, you know, training is a lifelong journey. Yes. You never... Oh, you, I know what I was going to say. See? Uh, <laughs> I have seen, and I'm sure you have too, and there are some wonderful, wonderful acting schools, but there, I sense, I have seen a danger in that so many acting schools that focus on acting have a basically an unlimited budget. They have all kinds of backing that you could, they almost have guaranteed, they don't need to sell, uh, what am I trying to say? They don't need to make money to put on a show mm -hmm. because they have sponsors and, and grants and who knows what all else. Mm -hmm. You can be in the school for four years and you can be the darling child for those four years. You got everybody helping you. Mm -hmm. And I'm telling you kids, Real life ain't like that. No, it's, it's you, the opposite of that. Yes, that's my point. <laughs> I don't think they train right. uh, actors 
some colleges don't train actors for how to work when they're on their own because there are some theaters. Meyer, you and I have worked at both of them. Most of the theaters work have to make money or yes. they go out of business. Yes, and that's reality. Yes, that is the reality, folks. Yeah. So uh, it's, a, it's called show business, not show leisure. <laughs> or show let me do what I want to do. It's called show business for a reason. <laughs> yeah. You have to make money at yeah. it or they ain't going to pay you. <laughs> right. Um, so uh, that's where the servanthood comes in. Mm-hmm. And I tend to think I have seen, worked with enough college ed- graduates that they do think it's all about them because that's what they've been catered to. Right, right. Well, it's almost like you kind of spend four years in sort of a... In like bubble. A, in like a bubble. Yes. Yeah, in, in a college bubble. Very much. Very a pre- a supportive bubble. And a, and a bubble that generally has a lot of money yep. because college is very expensive and so yep. they have all that tuition that you're right they have all those sponsors they yep. have all those grants they have all of um they have a lot of funding and that's wonderful yes like, that's great that's amazing but what happens when you graduate and you know and you don't automatically book a show or yep. let or like you go to 100 auditions and you don't get anything like how do you survive through the ups and downs of this business. And, and I'm actually very thankful because, you know, I did go to a four-year mm-hmm. conservatory program and I know exactly what you're talking I lived in that bubble. Okay, okay. But I will tell, like, nothing was ever handed to me. Like, I was I was not the, the golden child. I was not, <laughs> I was not the favorite. In fact, I just kept auditioning. I never got cast in a main stage musical until my senior year of college. See, and I'll guarantee you that was one of the best things that could have happened to you. I agree. Yep, okay. I knew that <laughs> without even talking to you about that. I just knew I that. I agree. But at the time, yep. I just thought, I'm, I guess I'm just not good enough. Mm-hmm. I guess I'm... I guess I'm supposed to be doing something else with my life. And I never in a million years would have guessed that for a solid like decade, 10 years, <laughs> all I did was theater. Like I just yeah. did, you know, contract, it was show to show, back to back to show to show to show. Like I'm over here and I'm in Colorado, I'm in Virginia, I'm in Indiana, I'm in Illinois. You know what I mean? Just I'm always moving around doing shows. And I'm, I'm very, very grateful. I'm like grateful that nothing was handed to me. Yeah. It's, oh, good. that is wisdom right there, folks. I, 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 because it made me work harder. Yes. It made me work harder. And it made you believe in yourself, mm. in what you can do. Because mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. what I learned, again, through that thing I talked about, how I had to make my steps. I could now believe, I knew I could do it. And then I could uh, believe in myself that it, it, it's accomplishable. Right. And, and, and uh, that is absolutely huge yeah. to have that belief. And then contentment can come in on top of that. Right. And so I'll tell you right now, kids, believe it or not, I never went to an acting school. I can't read music. I can't hardly see. <laughs> and I don't read music. Here I am doing musicals. And here you are working six months in the middle, yeah, in of, the middle of, of a, a pa- world pandemic. pandemic. Can you believe that? And I can. <laughs> I can believe it. And I'm being stretched more this year. I mean, good grief. You just saw the show I did. I'm singing an old rocker stoner number. Where I'm rolling around on the floor like an old rock and roll singer that I ain't like. I'm telling you. But, <laughs> but so I've been it. stretched. Like, yeah, and people love that part of the show. So I mean, it's hilarious. <laughs> <laughs> good grief. It's, but oh, you man. do it. You believe in yourself and you can do it. Yeah. 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 I mean, I... It doesn't true. matter about the education. Believe in yourself. Yeah. I mean, that's truly like... The moral of this podcast episode is like, believe in yourself and you can do anything. Yeah. 
You can do That's anything, true. anything you want. It's like one song, just if you just believe. I don't know exactly the, <laughs> the lyrics from that song that yeah. Travis sings so well on the show. Yeah. Uh, well, do you have a, a favorite theater memory or, or story that you would like to leave our listeners with today? Oh, gosh. Um, hmm. I guess, I can't think of one. The best, uh, the closest thing I can think of is, here's this guy. Me, again, never uh, can't read music, and I uh, never went to school for it. I actually booked the first job I went to audition online for, or not online, in, in person. Mm-hmm. I'm over something ever since, over 12, over this, over this, but I got the first one I went to. Wow. So that's, but the neatest thing is, here I am, probably the least qualified, I'm using quotation marks, mm-hmm. I actually have had two shows written for me. I didn't know that. Yep, two shows. Oliver Blatt, who runs the Pines Dinner Theater in Allentown, Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think I did like two or three shows for them. And he was so impressed with what I, he writes a lot of his own shows. So he, I got a call from them. Actually, it was Stacy, their, their uh, business manager. Uh, Ollie's the artistic director. Said, Ollie's thinking of writing a show f- with you in mind, uh, would you be interested in doing it? Well, okay, yeah. <laughs> so I did. I was in yeah. uh, 2015, I think, and then he actually wrote a sequel. That's amazing. I've had two full-length musicals with me in mind as the well, main character. How many people say that? And I never went to acting school. I can't. <laughs> I can't say I, that. I, I can't either. So that, here I am, little farm boy. Yeah. With no uh, uh, official education, mm-hmm. haven't had two shows written for me. How special is that? That's incredible. Yeah, it really is. Well, I, you know, just talking to you and um, is has been such an inspiration, Don. <laughs> and and I, I know we've known each other for such a long time, and we've worked on so many shows together. Yeah. But um, you know, usually we we're so busy and we don't have the time to, to sit down and, and just have a conversation. Um, but I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to chat with me today. Oh, my pleasure. Uh, I think you're incredible. And I think you're... Oh, you're drunk again. <laughs> I swear I am not drunk. She's not, folks. I don't drink anymore. <laughs> I really don't. Um, but no, it's, it's, your, um, it's your energy, you know, and, and your, your good attitude and, and your positivity that... You're always, you're just, you're always a joy to be around. That's, well, thank you. That's, um, thank you. Didn't get any better than that. I, I, I try to be, um, I keep, can't help thinking it should be positivity. I did, uh, <laughs> sensory did. <laughs> yeah, Little Mermaid. Little Mermaid did earlier. But, uh, uh, but that's really what it's all about. Yes, there's a pandemic. Yes, there's all kinds of fear. There's always going to be 14, like I say, there's 14 million things that want to attack you every day and defeat you. Mm-hmm. That's never going to change, right? So, know who you are. Believe in yourself, and never be afraid to live. You do those three things, you're going to succeed at anything you do. Guaranteed. That is beautiful. Never be afraid to never, live. Never be afraid to live. 